back in 2013, I asked the kind of Bitcoin mentors that I had back then, like, hey, what about, you know, privacy coins? What about coins that are faster? You know, a bunch of the things that, sure. that started to get popular back then. And I told them like, hey, don't we need Bitcoin to have this too? And they told me, hey, Woody, don't worry about it. Like, let them do their experiments. It's, it's great. And if they if they find something that works, then Bitcoin can adopt it later That's on. That's literally what I would say and too. To me that, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and to me, that made a ton of sense. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah, okay, we don't want to take the risk with Bitcoin because it's important that Bitcoin stays, just like you said, it's this, this reliable thing that we know will exist for a long term. So we don't want to play around and risk it. But... If, if those other ecosystems figure things out, then we we probably want to adopt it over time. It doesn't need to be super fast, but eventually. And, and we were looking back and we were like, wait, we didn't do any of that at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's 2023. You know, we start we started thinking about this in 2022 and we we're like, wait, we didn't do any of that. That's exactly the right. <laughs> that's the truth. That's Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, your host, and you're listening to another episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Waxman, where we dive deep into this crazy world of Bitcoin. We talk to the craziest OGs, those who are the true leaders in the room, doing some of the most amazing things. We deal with crypto, blockchain, whatever lingo we want to use or term. But at the end of the day, that we define what this means to us. And our guest today, I'm really excited to talk to, to Udi Wertheimer. Udi, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. We never really got to chat, so <laughs> I'm really never, excited to do that. We never really got to chat, and you've been around this Bitcoin space for a really long time. And I think we actually did speak once over email in 2018. Mm. It was when I was working at Jax, and you were an early Bitcoin Core developer. And at the time, you were also writing some articles, and you were writing some articles into like, I think phishing attempts that were happening at customer service companies at the time with private keys or mm. something like that. But right. no, you know, it's interesting what was going on at the time, and we'll get into it later on the show, I think, was that during those years, it was like the whole Segwit 2X drama and the mm. the whole situation of like the block. I don't like to use the, the term war. I know Jonathan Beer <laughs> named his, his book that, the block, great book, by the way. Everyone should check that out. But after that, I kind of got a little bit burn out of like that whole Charlie's going to be a thought leader in the space type of thing. In fact, doing this whole show was my therapist's idea. So five years later, thanks thanks to him for, for keeping the show alive. But let's get into that history a little bit later. I want to give a little bit of background on you. You're a Bitcoin core developer. In your own words, Taproot Wizard number one, the co-founder of <laughs> Taproot Wizard, which has been taking the whole Bitcoin and the crypto world by storm, right? It's been, it's kind of cool I was trying to understand a few months ago how ordinals actually work on a tech. And it's very simple, actually, how Satoshis are just literally defined now. And then that's that's all it was. And so cool. And you really took this, like you take the, you you made magic fun again. I just went to the Magic Castle in Los Angeles and it made me feel very excited. Other than your work in, in Taproot, you're a very well-known figure in the space. You're one of those people that you're very famous for your provocative commentary, but it comes yeah. from a place of love of Bitcoin. And I feel like you are always someone who you, our love and vision for Bitcoin has always been aligned. So whenever I see you out there doing your thing, I always felt like a sense of relief a little bit because you were poking holes at the people, still are, that 
everyone like reveres as gods. And I hate when we see these like people as like gods of Bitcoin because those are like the false messiahs, right? So there's so much to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about ordinals, how they're impacting the perception of Bitcoin, because I think that's like the most important thing. The stories behind all this stuff, your perspective on Bitcoin maximalism. I'm excited to hear about your journey, how you kind of got into Bitcoin and everything like that. So can we start there? Like, how did you get into Bitcoin from the beginning? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. You know, I used to be, you know, a software engineer in in a couple of startup companies in Israel, which is where I grew up. Earlier on in my career, they really had nothing to do with payments or Bitcoin whatsoever. And I think I, I think I kind of stumbled upon Bitcoin probably around 2013, which caught my attention kind of for technical reasons. Like I, I was, I was excited about the fact that it, you know, that it works without, you know, a centralized server, which I guess today for crypto enthusiasts, it's pretty normal. But at the time, just the fact that it can happen and can work was kind of interesting yeah. to me as a software engineer. So, you know, I kind of, delved into that and and it took me it took me a while it probably took me like you know a year or two to really like build the conviction around it as as to you know this is what i want to spend my time on you know kind of just and grabs I, you yeah i didn't just see like <laughs> a lot of ups and downs until i realized that it's like okay this is <laughs> this is not like this isn't a gambling addiction <laughs> this is something that i actually want to dedicate my 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 time to you know and then yeah, I started I started working for PayPal actually because of my interest in Bitcoin. I was trying to kind of push Bitcoin into PayPal kind of early on, which was a fun experience. Thank you for doing that because I was on the outside trying it was, to push it. It was PayPal. completely unhelpful. <laughs> but but uh, I, I still don't have a PayPal account, my frozen from twenty thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine. I tried, you know, I tried to open a new PayPal account a, a few months ago. And as soon as I hit the sign up button, they immediately sent me an email yeah. saying that I cannot have the account and to not try again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, I think, yeah, it's, at some point, probably around, you know, 2016, 2017, I started um, kind of contributing to open source Bitcoin stuff. Actually, you know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Bitcoin Core. I never really, I think, I think at the point in time I tried to kind of get into becoming a Bitcoin core contributor, but I never really found myself there. I think it's not, not really my, uh, I feel my like cup we of should, tea probably. We're all Bitcoin core contributors. Like there needs to be a way for regular people to like edit the wiki or not the wiki, like something in the GitHub, something trivial, mm-hmm. just so they can say, because I feel like we're right. all Bitcoin core. Like we're all Satoshi. We are all Bitcoin core. It's BS that a few select people can kind of claim that title because even Satoshi never claimed that title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 I see what you mean. I think, you know, I got to, at, at a point in time, probably back when we kind of had a back and forth in 2018, I think at that point in time, I, I got to know the contributors of the time. I think many of them probably stopped since then and there were a bunch of new ones, but I got to know a bunch of them and I think I think most of them look of course there's there's sometimes ego and a bunch of stuff in every yeah. kind of organization but I think a bunch of them are my impression was they're really truly very selfless people you know in the sense that they could have easily gotten a high paying job in in many other endeavors and ventures and they kind of chose to 
do a, do a work that's either voluntary or you know they might have gotten some grants for it, but clearly way below market for what they maybe yeah maybe I think there's there's been a lot of communications problems for sure. I think that um, like a lot of well-meaning people that end up looking to the outside as maybe pretentious or you know which which I think is more of a communication issue than anything else. But I agree with you on on meeting when you meet people personally, you really understand kind of like the meaning and the thoughts behind them. Mm-hmm. What it means to be a Bitcoiner, I try to talk about it on the show. It's like, what does it mean to be a Bitcoiner? There's like the the pillars. I'll I'll ask like a crypto guy, hey, are you a Bitcoiner? And they'll be like, no. And then by the end of the episode, I'll say, hey, <laughs> are you a Bitcoiner? And they'll be like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that common like bond is what brought us all together, the misfits and everything in those years. Not to call anyone out, but Luke Desheer lives not far from me here in Florida. So I got to get to know him a little bit. And he's probably one of the most misunderstood confusing core developers, but as a normal person, like I have just a funny picture of him and I cutting a cake together. And you would never yeah. think of like that, a Segway cake nonetheless, actually. <laughs> like, literally a Segway cake. <laughs> I need to see that photo. <laughs> I, it's, it, and that's why I think we never really got to know each other around that time. After all of that, I realized that, that Bitcoin was potentially coming, if you stay at the forefront of it, dangerous to a point. Mm-hmm. And we, we see, I, telling me in the last couple of years, this whole industry has gotten a lot more dangerous. And I'm really happy that I've never mm-hmm. been like a leader or the CEO of anything. And I can imagine you feel probably the same way. Now you get to like work on such a fun project. Did you ever, I grew up very religious. Actually, mm-hmm. like my, my parents tried to make Aliyah for a couple of years. So I got to go to school in Israel and, and everything. I love the 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 funness of like I don't know if it's a word of like the culture of Judaism. Mm. Do you like do you like try to look at the the humor and the love and that funness in in taproots and taproot wizards in the in the community there as you kind of like grew up with in a way? Yeah, you know that's um that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think that um, both in Judaism and 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 even specifically with being an Israeli. <laughs> like sarcasm is definitely part of, yeah, but in a good way, yes, not yes. you know, <laughs> being a Brooklyn Jew, it's like sarcasm yes. is my language, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think for a lot, for a lot of people, <laughs> for a lot of people who, who don't know that culture, it, it, I think it a lot of time catches them off guard a bit, but um, but yeah, like you know, there's just a lot of there's a lot of humor in the world, you know, a lot of things uh, that people tend to take very seriously. I like looking at the, you know, kind of funny, humoristic side of them. And honestly, like to some people, that's actually a little offensive, right? Because if you, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you see, and I see that with Tapper Wizards too, like if you, if something, if you consider something kind of your life's mission, right? And then someone shows up and, yeah, and wears like, you know, wizard costumes and starts dancing on stage and just makes fun of the entire ordeal, then, it, it can be upsetting, and I, I I get it. Like if you you know you you put your entire like all of your efforts and all of your time and into something, you know, and you you believe that you kind of fight for it, and then someone shows up and just makes fun of the whole thing. It it it, it can be upsetting. But I think for me, for people who know me, I think they know that you know, kind of like you said, it's it's definitely coming from a place of love to Bitcoin. Like I could have made fun of anything else, you know. Yeah, true some- story. <laughs> What you've done is you've brought Bitcoin back to the forefront of the conversation. And you're right. I don't know if there was a quote or someone said it, but Bitcoin got boring in a way that gold is boring. 
Like we all wanted Bitcoin mm-hmm. to be this digital gold and I still do and look at it and love it. And I, and I understand the developer side of things where Bitcoin always needs to be reverse compatible in that. And that's a big pillar of, of what I feel like was like the true, and I hate to use that term Satoshi vision, but that part of like what early Bitcoin. So I understand, I hate that term now. They, they took a term yeah. and they like, I can't use it yeah. anymore. It's stupid. Yeah. But I feel like if you have some Bitcoin from 2010 and you just want to be able to leave it, like if you own gold and you want to leave it for decades, it's important for your Bitcoin to not have to go through some sort of upgrade to continue using it. Mm-hmm. Stay permissionless. Where like if you have ETH from even a year ago, you need to go through the upgrade. If you have BNB from three years ago, there's like 16 BNB you know, upgrades and changes in their, in their hard forks and stuff like that. Right. I had a friend who had a six-figure amount of BNB on the old chain and we had to like go all the way up into Binance just to help them move it over after they closed the portal. Mm. So this reverse compatibility is very important. And that's why I feel like Bitcoin has been slow to change. But, but you've moved that needle a little bit, a lot of it now. People, like, do you, I don't know if you realize, like side chains have coming back to the forefront of the conversations. And BIP300 yeah. is actually being taken seriously. Yeah, What's going on? I don't want to take too much credit, right? I think what happened with me and um, me and my, you know, Tapo Wizards co-founder Eric Wall, we've been thinking for probably about a year now about. I think we were just looking at the NFT culture that was starting, and hmm. I, I I saw some things in there that I thought were good. You know, we're just <laughs> we're just good. Yeah. Um, I thought that there were, there are some properties of community building there that I really like, especially. Um, Having seen a lot of crypto communities being built and and also kind of collapsing over the years, I thought that the NFT communities like kind of took the best of what a crypto community is and left a lot of the bad behind. And it's not perfect, and there's still you know a lot of scams and you know and rug pulls and whatnot. There's definitely a lot of that, but yeah. but I think that um, I remember you know when I used to be like active on Facebook with a bunch of like Bitcoin friends and we had these bit, you know Bitcoin groups. Early on, yeah, maybe miss that too. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And I, I remember that you know a bunch of people were like, you know, like for example, someone would be a Litecoin proponent, right? So they would change their Facebook profile picture to the Litecoin logo, right? Uh, and then a lot of people would would from their other social circles would see that and start asking like, what is that? Yeah. You know, and and get to know Litecoin through that, which I you know I I, I thought it was like a nice way to to. To spread the word, relatively, you know, a re- kind of a non-violent way <laughs> to spread the word about something you care about. But the kind of the crypto communities that started after that, especially in like 2017, the ICO era, there's been a lot of these like obviously false narratives, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, we're gonna build flying cars on the blockchain and so on. So, and and really like you invested in, in that what too. Crypto is, <laughs> oh man, I, I don't want to talk about <laughs> the crap I invested, but. The, <laughs> To me, the essence of what crypto is is really about community building. That's the way I view it. You know, obviously other people view it in other ways, but like I think there's a very interesting piece of community building and the shared upside. And I think that back in the ICO era was kind of that idea gone wrong in the sense that people had to promote these insane ideas, insane things, you know, in order to say I'm part of a community. Like in order for you to say I'm part of the Ripple community, you had to kind of believe that the commercial banks are all going to adopt XRP and it's going to be the world's standard currency. Like a lot of like insane things. 
don't make any sense. When really, I felt what people really wanted to do is just to belong to a community, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the narrative was not even that important. You know, it was just a, an artificial thing that people bolted on top of it. So with NFTs, I kind of felt like, you know, they removed most of the false narratives. And what was left was just, hey, I like this. I like the art. I like the creator. I like the, the other people who are part of that community. I like the style. I like the events that they go to. I just felt that that was much more honest, you know. Yeah, it's maybe a bit of a smaller vision, but it's it's yeah, it's transparent. It is what it is, you know. And people people were not as much mm. like um, making uh, stories up about decentralization and and so on. Like there was a pretty clear understanding that if you're joining a community of NFTs, then you know you trust the founder of that community and you you believe that they're going to do things for that community and you want to share the upside of that you know the the and the the role of decentralization is reduced to permissionlessness to hey we can do this we don't need to ask anyone's permission to do this we we're it's a centralized community that we build permissionlessly we don't ask for anyone to let us do that right and um i th- i thought it was just a lot more honest and it took the the good parts out of of the crypto economy and kind of left out at least some of the bad. So I really liked that, and I thought it—I it, I thought it was a, a good way to bring people together towards a shared goal. And we were thinking about, you know, it's—it seemed to us that 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 this is something that people wanted for a long time to have a shared yeah. goal about Bitcoin. Of of hey, let's make let's 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 explore what we can do with innovation on Bitcoin. Let's explore, maybe like there are a few things we can do that we kind of forgot about and, and didn't end up doing. Like maybe there's a bunch of things that we talked about 10 years ago, five years ago. Like, you know, there was this idea of Bitcoin is going to adopt the successful innovations from other chains. Back in 2013, I asked the kind of Bitcoin mentors that I had back then, like, hey, what about, you know, privacy coins? What about coins that are faster? You know, a bunch of the things that, sure. that started to get popular back then. And I told them like, hey, don't we need Bitcoin to have this too? And they told me, hey, Woody, don't worry about it. Like, let them do their experiments. It's, it's great. And if they, if they find something that works, then Bitcoin can adopt it later That's on. That's literally what I would say and too. To me that, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and to me, that made a ton of sense. Yeah. You know, it was like, yeah, okay, we don't want to take the risk with Bitcoin because it's important that Bitcoin stays just like you said, it's there's this reliable thing that we know will exist for a long term. So we don't want to play around and risk it. But if if those other ecosystems figure things out, then we we probably want to adopt it over time. It doesn't need to be super fast, but eventually. And and we were looking back and we we're like, wait, we didn't do any of that at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's 2023. You know, we start we started thinking about this in 2022, and we we're like, wait, we didn't do any of that. That's exactly the right. <laughs> that's the truth. That's what there was like. At some point, I don't know what the year was, but I felt like it was like giving up, and yeah, and like the opposite happened. And I I don't know if it was like like everyone just had this like hangover after the whole Segwit drama that no one wanted to do anything after that. Mm-hmm. But then Taproot, you know. And what what did Taproot as a as an upgrade to Bitcoin do that enabled the the this like ordinals theory? Yeah, so it's it's funny, you know, Taproot itself. <laughs> really, the main reason we named 
Capital Wizards this way. It was me and me and Eric were actually we were kind of poking fun at Taproot for a while before it was activated and after it was activated because we felt that um, the, we felt the way that people were representing it was um, kind of out of touch. Um, I think it was it was sold it was sold as um, the sort of a privacy improvement yeah. and a smart contract yeah. mechanism, even which which it just isn't. <laughs> you know, it's it's just not those things. Um, there, there's like a, there's a small, teeny tiny, hypothetical privacy benefit that maybe we, maybe would one day be manifested, but definitely hasn't so far. And there's, there's like slight, you know, if you're a developer, then then Taproot, I guess, makes it a little easier to do certain types of smart contract, very basic smart contracts that you could have done before as well. So. Things you could have done before Taproot, you can you can now do maybe a little easier uh, as a developer. That's that's it. That's really all it is. And really, we're talking about a very marginal, very marginal change. We thought we just thought it was funny that that you know if 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 you were in the sort of Bitcoin maximalist community, then you you would have seen people extremely excited about it. You know about Taproot as the the future of Bitcoin, how will, yeah. it will render all of other blockchains. Irrelevant, and we were just looking at it, and you're like, man, these people are like, they have no idea what they're talking about at all. Like, it's you know, they've got this group of people supporting a change to the Bitcoin consensus system, you know, which is a big deal. Spending you know, literally years in trying to build it and champion for it, and they don't seem to even know what it does. <laughs> like, it was they just like out of they touch. Don't seem to even understand. The whole community yeah. was and out like, of touch. There was like the the block site that. It was there was like some hangover. There was like it, the, yeah. the taproot was yeah. touted as this exciting thing, but as soon as I read what article about it, I was like, "Well, this is cool. I'm happy that upgrades are still being made and that they're naming them." But yeah. like, it's only as good as it names. And you just took the name, which was the only good thing about it, and you <laughs> made it into something. You gave it more brandability than than, than right. The That's what we were trying to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited that this podcast, the Charlie Shrem Show, is now powered by Waxman. I think I met the CEO, David Waxman, back in 2015 or something at an Ethereum meetup, and he told me that the future belongs to the fearless, and that is why they are producing the show right by my side. What an amazing team we have now. It's so amazing. You guys have been hearing some great updates. I've been following along. If you don't know, Waxman is the leading global strategy and communications firm advising the next generation of companies in Web3 disruptive technology, Bitcoin, crypto, fintech, artificial intelligence, and venture capital. Waxman's clients are ambitious leaders and businesses that are on the frontier of this whole new economy because they really do believe that the future belongs to us and we're the ones building it. With services across everything from digital marketing, public relations, social media, investor relations, financial communications, recruiting, and public affairs, they're helping companies and individuals like myself seize the business opportunities that we deserve, overcome challenges that we all are going to face and achieve sustained success. Head over to Waxman to learn more. You guys are going to love them. We have them in the show notes. Check it all out. It's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. That's W-A-C-H-S-M-A-N.com. Yeah. So what? So so what happened then? Right before we started Temple Wizards, we, me and Eric, were thinking about okay, how can we leverage that energy of NFTs 
for Bitcoin. And we started working, we partnered with our kind of our creative director, the artist who made uh, the, the art for Tapper Wizards. His name is Far. And we, we partnered with him and started working on the designs. Um, so we had those, or we had, you know, early versions of those last summer, really. But we didn't have the very important technical part of how do we actually put NFTs on Bitcoin. And then kind of, you know, luckily, Ordinals popped up, this protocol of Ordinals that was made by um, uh, Casey Rotomore, yeah. who's who he, by the way, he's been, you know, a Bitcoin kind of open source tinkerer and experimenter for many years. He's been leading the San Francisco uh, Bitcoin developer meetup, which is very good. He's like, you know, a Bitcoiner through and through. Yeah. And probably much more of a, a Bitcoin only type of guy than I am. So he released that protocol and <laughs> it's, 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 it needed. So it, the, the kind of funny part about it is that it, it sort of needed Taproot in order to work, but it, it was, it was not related to any of the intentional features of, of Taproot. Really? It was actually because of a mistake. So because of a mistake that they did <laughs> when enabling Taproot, uh, <laughs> they kind of made Ornals possible by accident, <laughs> which, it, which we thought was so funny. That worked <laughs> that out we though, decided, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it was, to us, it was like, man, we made fun of Tapu for so long, and now we get to use it, actually. The only, because Tapu was out for a year, no one was using it. The adoption rate for Tapu was something like, I don't know, 0.03% of transactions, something like that. Like, no one was using it. And and we were looking at that, and we're like, damn it, we can actually make Tapu popular now. <laughs> we can actually have people use it, and it would be funny that we made fun of it and said that it will never be truly adopted, and then we get it to become adopted. It's the not taking yourself seriously is what made Bitcoin even popular in the first place 10 years ago. It's yeah. like, like you said, it was just yeah. people who wanted to join a community. It's That's all it was. It was it was just like, there was nowhere else for all of us kind of misfits to go. So it was like kind of bringing mm-hmm. it all together. Now, are you, are you paying attention to any other developments? So I have not been like following the Bitcoin mailing list. I Mark them all as red when I get mm-hmm. them every day. Is there any like major? <laughs> I read that there were some major changes. What's going on there? So to be fair, I'm not the most sure, of um, up to date person on this stuff. But the the one thing that I find interesting, and I think there is like kind of a discussion going on about that, is is the idea of covenants on Bitcoin and what covenants are. It's kind of like an early, very early stepping stone towards a more kind of expressive smart contracting system. Specifically, what it allows you to do is basically having a Bitcoin address that you can send some BTC to that defines only one specific way that funds can be spent from later. So you can say, there's this address, I send Bitcoin there, but there's only like, for example, you say, if Later on, when I want to move funds from that address, I can from the you know the second address I sent to, I could I can only send Bitcoin from there to some other address, for example, yeah. or it can only be at some other point in time. Being able to add that limitation actually adds some f- possible functionality. For example, one of one of the uh, constructs that people have been talking about a lot is the idea of vault. You can send Bitcoin to an address that acts as a vault in the sense that Bitcoin will only be able to leave that address into a specific, into another address or into, or, or only through some, after some t- waiting period. So you can, 
you can kind of, um, it, it helps uh, for security. For example, you're a big exchange and you have a lot of funds that you keep in a hot wallet and you need to make sure that um, you know it doesn't get hacked. Then you get to program for yourself this sort of like um, grace period yeah. where if someone tries to send money out of it, you have time to react, stuff like that. So it, it, and, and it turns out that if adding that kind of, of ability for, for, for a limit or for a restriction is a, is a very interesting building block to have kind of more interesting smart contracts. I'm checking it out right now. So that is, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if, if you compare it to something like Ethereum, and of course it's extremely limited, but uh, for from a Bitcoin point of view, it is it is way more powerful than than we had before. And there's a, there's at least like three different competing proposals for how to do that, and maybe there will be more. But they, I think the interesting thing is that now people are seriously talking about doing it, and it will, I'm sure it will take you know a long time, but. Um, but people are seriously talking about maybe maybe adopting one of those proposals. So interesting. Things move slow, but yeah, that's, you know, like, that's, that's positive. I didn't realize that Bitcoin had so many, like a bunch of different layer two protocols. But I don't mm. like this is the problem. Like with with CoinDesk right now and some of these other ones, it's like the layer two on Bitcoin is not the same thing as like a layer two on another type of blockchain, like an EVM chain, like Ethereum or Polygon. It's completely different. There's no, there's no immediate, like going back and forth from one, from one layer to the next on, on these Bitcoin layer twos, because there's not been a mechanism built into Bitcoin Mm -hmm. that enables that, which is kind of what Mm -hmm. we're getting at here. And there's yeah. no, and that's always been. I wish there was like a way that that can be figured out. But again, like I think the point of the conversation is that flywheel effect. There's definitely conversations happening. A consensus this year. There was a big speech that I read that was given by a Bitcoin Core developer of all the things that they're working on this year. So there's like a lot of things going on there. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed. There's a huge amount of VC investing going into like mm-hmm. these companies building out ability for layer twos on top of Bitcoin, waiting for something like this. Like there's so many. Our fund is invested in two of them. Like, there's so many different companies that are trying to do this. It's really a great renaissance to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think that one thing that happened with Ordinals, and you know, I do hope that Apple Wizards had something to do with it too. Is, is I think people just opened their minds a bit. Up until really six months ago, less than six months ago, people were for years believed that Bitcoin just cannot do any of those cool things. You know, just it's just impossible and never will be possible. And I think that after Ornal started and after people started seeing that there's actually now a lot of on-chain activity related to NFT trading on Bitcoin, which is like <laughs> it was if I told you that four months ago, you wouldn't have told me I'm insane, right? Yeah. That, that was that that could happen. So I think it just flipped a switch in so many people's minds. You know, people like like me and you who have been in Bitcoin for a long time. And and used to have those, you know, kind of fantasies about what Bitcoin could look like one day. We kind of gave up on them, and I think that now it's kind of reignited that with one with a lot of Bitcoin OGs, and also with a lot of people who are newer to crypto and and just never thought of Bitcoin in that way. Now they do. So yeah, that kind of opens up the playing field. Whenever I talk to people about Temple Wizards, why I'm so excited about them is the the reason is I think it's not 
a technical issue. I think that the reason that Bitcoin kind of didn't participate almost in the in the crypto ecosystem in the last few years is not because of a technical reasons. I think it, it's a cultural reason. And I think if you shift that, then you know all the technical things can be solved. You know, it's it's really a question a cultural question of do we want to or do we not want to, and what's the priority. And by the way, I don't think it should be a very high priority to have, you know, second layers of Bitcoin. I think that the first priority should be to make sure that Bitcoin remains a stable, reliable system. That, that yeah, to me, for Bitcoin is the first priority. In the long term, and that's then, what's going to count anyways. Yeah, I think so too. But then, you know, if you ask me, like, what's more important, lightning payments in El Salvador or a second layer that people can use or like smart contracts on Bitcoin, I would say probably a second layer. Yeah. Uh, to me, personally, that that's more important. I, the people that I interface with day to day, yeah, I, to me, that's a higher priority. I think that it, it, it's, it, I think it solves a, a pain point that people have today. So that's something that I think is worth exploring, but not at the cost of making Bitcoin less reliable. Like if that's the, if that's going to end up being the cost, then I think it's not worth it. But it's definitely worth exploring it, you know. You're right. You're right. Everyone, that that term Bitcoin maximalism is is dead or hopefully going away. I like to I like to say that I'm a decentralization maximalist or whatever. Bitcoin is like the farthest mm-hmm. down that path. And there are some other ones that are like trying to get down that path too. And there are obvious ones that are scams that are not even that are completely centralized. And we should continue poking holes in and calling scams on online and things like that because that's what the community expects of us. But there's definitely like it's definitely like a, a different world now. I think it was a constant, it was a something that was inevitable. It wasn't it wasn't the where where we are now isn't was inevitable. And um it's nice to be here on the other side of it. Yeah. It, yeah, when when I think back, a lot of things seem inevitable, but also for me, they were definitely unexpected in the sense that even though I've been, you know, obviously bullish on Bitcoin for many years, it's almost hard to believe how it kind of yeah. came true a lot of it, you know? Right? It's kind of wild to <laughs> to think how from from those tiny groups where we talked about, yeah, you know, everyone will know the name Bitcoin one day and it, we'll talk about it in, and on they TV. Do. And it's <laughs> And, it, and happened. Then it happened. It's like the, everyone. It's it's really it's it's a cool thing. It definitely still gives me a smile. It's like there's not one person that I can't talk to, and it's like now the conversations may not mm-hmm. be as high level as I'd like them to be. But there, sometimes I don't want to talk. A lot of times I'm trying to like not even talk about Bitcoin or crypto when I'm in in public. It's like, or when I'm with my friends or my family. It's like we're trying to just. Uh, but if they see me wearing like a wizard costume, they're going to wonder what's going on here. So <laughs> if you go to like any any conferences right. lately, you're seeing hundreds of people in wizard costumes. And if you go to your Discord, you got how many people in the community now? Like what's going on in Taproot Wizards? Yeah, I think that the, the Taproot Wizards Discord is like 20,000 people, you know. Holy uh, mackerel. What happened there, um, it was so much, honestly, it was so much fun to do this. Especially I'm, my kind of background is software engineering and... I feel like Bitcoin gave me the opportunity to, um, just because the way of things happen, of course, it's not Bitcoin directly, but just my participation in the Bitcoin community gave me the opportunity yeah. to do kind of more people stuff, you know, and, you know, sometimes like marketing things and, and community building. And to me, just because of the stark contrast of what I used to do as a software engineer, to me, it's like exciting to do that every day, you know. Yeah, you know, with the way we started Tapple Wizards, and, and you know, I already shared with you, this is something we, we've been thinking of for a year, but we only really 
kind of pushed the button, made it public after ordinals became a thing because that solved like a big technical need for us. And when we did that, it's funny. We when when we did that, we felt like we were late, right? We, we felt like we were late <laughs> to ordinals <laughs> because uh, there were already 500 ordinals, 500 inscriptions out there. I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, today there are over 10 million. But when we started, yeah. there there were 500, and we were like, oh man, we missed the boat. So we were <laughs> so we were looking for a way to to do it in in a very unique way and kind of make a splash. And the thing yeah. we we came up with was that we can actually make and Tapwood enables you, which is hilarious, is to make a four megabyte inscription that uses a full four megabyte Bitcoin transaction. When we did that, that was the first four megabyte Bitcoin transaction ever in history. You guys um, mined the largest block. We mined the largest Bitcoin block. Oh my god, and, that's and, so cool. Yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. Because of the way that the Bitcoin network works and the way the Bitcoin nodes work, while a four megabyte transaction is in a four megabyte block, they're valid. The Bitcoin network would not propagate the transaction until it's confirmed in a block, because it's considered like too big to make sense, kind of. <laughs> so, oh so we had to go directly to a mining pool to insert it directly into a block first, instead of broadcasting it in the normal way. So we had to find a mining pool to to work with us and to play along and to take the risk because no one never did this before, you know. And which pool was it? It was Luxor Mining. Um, oh, okay, cool. That's awesome. They were great, you know. It was I was very lucky to be introduced to the CEO Nick Hansen. I told him, hey, I knew he was already looking into ordinals. He thought they were cool, but you know, uh, it was early and yeah, you I, never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I told him, hey, let's 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 hop on a call. Let's talk about this. And I said, look, we it's kind of crazy. You're probably gonna tell me I'm insane, but we wanna <laughs> we wanna do a four megabyte block and we need your help. And he was like looking at me, he was like, Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Immediately, you know. And um God, this is a crazy story. Yeah. yeah, it was and we're so, you know, we're so fortunate, you know, that, that Luxor agreed to help with that. So we, you know, we made the art for it. <laughs> and what the thing we assumed was that because it's so out of the ordinary to see a four megabyte block, we assumed we're going to put the, put it out there and and not say anything. Then people are probably going to have you know this experience of trying to figure out what it is. There's going to be a yeah. lot of noise and a lot of you know a lot of buzz around it. So we intentionally put the URL for Tapu Wizards on the image itself, <laughs> and we inscribed it in the four megabyte block. And we just we we. We had an agreement within the team that not none of us say anything publicly about this. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't say what it is. We don't say that we're related to it in any way. We uh, we told Luxor to not say anything. Just put it out there. <laughs> and for yeah. a couple of days, you know, like media outlets were racing to figure out what this is. Like obviously they were they saw that it's a four megabyte transaction. They saw there was an inscription there, but they they didn't understand why, how. And because the URL was, really was there, and we had all of those people joining the Discord because everyone was like, okay, they wanted to know what it is. And <laughs> because the URL was right on the photo, then all of the outlets, you know, published the photo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone everyone was seeing it. <laughs> that was the, I think the reason that it grew so fast was there was this element of mystery, right? But once the mystery died down, what made people stay was that it wasn't just like a, join the Discord, get like a new profile picture, there was a challenge to it. And it wasn't... Oh, yeah. So as soon as you go to your website, taprootwizards.com, it says, so you want to become a Taproot Wizard, join Wizard School today to learn about Bitcoin's history and future, complete quests, 
as you can, as many quests as you can. So now I'm thinking now in my head, as I'm reading this for the first time, I'm saying, this doesn't sound like it's going to be easy. And true to the nature, the first quest is very challenging. What is the first quest? Can we talk about it? Do you want people to go on the website? (laughs) They're challenging. Like to become higher up in this community, (laughs) you have to like go out and do physical things, get like a wizard costume. And there's like a whole, and then go on. So there's like a, you're like publicly announcing that you're a member Mm -hmm. of this community, but you're also publicly announcing that you're not going to take yourself so seriously anymore. And at a time, like in this post-COVID hangover, Everyone is so, it yeah. still are. Everyone's so serious lately. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's really annoying, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's this issue with um, when you start a new community like this, there's obviously going to be a ton of people who want to get in just, just because they believe there, there could be a financial upside. And it's yeah. kind of hard to decide like who gets, who do you let in? Just anyone who pays? Because if you do that, then it's kind of unlikely that you get the composition that you want for the community. You just you just end up having the biggest yeah. pockets, right? This is something that obviously a lot of communities and NFT communities as well have struggled with. How do you get the the right people that you want? So we have kind of an interesting approach to it. We said, okay, let's get let's let's get people to do things that are one uh, Bitcoin related, get them to learn things about Bitcoin. So we get people who who are interested in Bitcoin that way. And two, and just show that they're, you know, kind of dedicated to the wizard mission. So we had really two types of quests in the wizard school. The first one was actually, the first one was, I think not not as many people got to participate in that because it was short in time. The first one was actually, hey, go and make a lightning transaction. Because what mm. the very first wave of people who joined Temple Wizards were mostly from kind of Ethereum NFT communities, and we assumed probably none of them ever use Lightning even once. In fact, most of them probably didn't even use a Bitcoin wallet even once. They probably only use like MetaMask and stuff. So we were like, yeah. you know, if we if we ask them to make a Lightning transaction, that's actually going to be pretty challenging for them. So we we asked people to make like a two dollar donation each using Lightning to a nonprofit that supports Bitcoin open source development, and that was you know that was limited for two two days only during a weekend. And uh, during that time, we we got people to donate $20,000, which was you know pretty exciting because it was all very small donations. <laughs> and it, it yeah. kind of got up to 20K. So that was cool, you know, and, and everyone, all of these people tried, you know, lightning for the first time. They were actually very impressed. You know, that's the, the kind of hypothesis we have is that, you know, some of those Bitcoin technologies that people have been building are actually pretty cool, but they were not able to find product market fit. Like yeah, Lightning is like very cool, but it's not popular. You know, it's not. It's very rare that someone actually uses Lightning. But we thought there's hey, no product we, market fit. Like yeah, you said. yeah. But we thought if we if we show people the the thing, they'll they'll probably be actually impressed. Like, okay, maybe it's not something they can use day to day, but they'll be impressed that it's it's not like nothing is going on in Bitcoin. Uh, there's 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 maybe a product market fit problem though. So people were you know very impressed with the experience. And I think it was also a pretty good, pretty good product market fit for the specific thing we did, which was we wanted to collect very small donations from people that turn into something that's meaningful. And that's something you can do with Lightning, but you cannot do with Ethereum Layer One transactions, for example, um, because the fees will be too high to make to to, to reasonably make two dollar donations. But yeah. with Lightning, it actually made sense that we end up doing something that's useful, you know. So that was cool. That was the first quest. The, the next one was a lot more whimsical. Uh, we asked, <laughs> we asked people to uh, 
get wizard costumes and get into the shower and take a video of themselves taking a shower wearing a wizard costume and post that online. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that was, you know, it was this crazy idea we had. And you don't know when you ask people to do crazy things, you don't know what's going to happen. But um, <laughs> luckily, people loved it. People really loved it. We were kind of concerned maybe people will do it, um, but complain, you know. <laughs> but actually, people loved it. People had a ton of fun with it. People did like really like cool original videos. We got over 4,000 submissions. A lot of famous who, people too. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of famous people too. The, the ones I really loved the most are people who kind of took their, you know, could, took their kids to a trip to a river. And, you know, the kids were pushing the dad into the, the river and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. It was like a lot of people just had a lot of fun, you know? Bet you it was the first time those kids felt like they earned something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And they all care. They're, they're all enthusiastic about Bitcoin, which for me, you know, is, it was just so exciting to see. A lot of people who are relatively new to crypto, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be like too pretentious because I'm here since 2013. And that when someone says I joined in 2020, I'm like, oh, you're new. <laughs> Maybe three years isn't really new. But like what I'm, what I'm trying to say by that is that they, they, a lot of them never really had a reason to try Bitcoin out, right? They, they got, they got into crypto at a point in time where most of the excitement yeah. was in DeFi and NFTs and stuff like that. So they got MetaMask, they got some ETH. And they never even tried Bitcoin once, not because they have anything against it, just because there was, they didn't see an, an, an opportunity or any interest Some in Some opportunity, and, yeah. Yeah. And now they're suddenly thinking of Bitcoin in that way, which to me was really exciting. And, uh, and I, think, I think what we understood at that point was that, yeah, you, you, can, you can make Bitcoin attractive to the new generation of crypto too. Like it's definitely 100% feasible. Like there's no reason why not. It's just something that, you need to kind of open your mind a bit and and experiment with crazy things. Like you can't just <laughs> you can't just do the same thing <laughs> again and again. And, I've been and, trying and, to like figure out what that thing is. Also, like uh, mm-hmm. in a non gimmicky way, you mm-hmm. succeeded with this. I'm trying to figure out what else. Like I have this show talk about Bitcoin five days a week, mm-hmm. educating people. I'm jealous of what you did because it's a lot more fun. So it was fun, yeah. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> I need to figure out something as well. I need to I need to like spend some time and 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 figure out what the next thing is. I'm gonna go spend some time and look into like what really attracted me to the early Bitcoin community and see if mm-hmm. I could like revive that somehow. I don't know. But, yeah. But thank you. Thanks for coming on the show today and taking the time and and talking to us. We we got to really for this hour, muse about a lot of different subjects and talk about a lot of different things. And I think everything that you wanted to do, every listener to this show right now, you just did it to and did it for. So thank you. Oh, I really hope so. I really hope so. And thank you. This was awesome. This was a great conversation. And uh, having having the chance to chat with you is amazing. <laughs> I, I'm still shocked we didn't do this before, but I'm, I'm glad we got to do this now. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't, but I'm really happy. Thank you again. Yeah, man. Thanks. 